Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Good day everyone and welcome to Capitalage, the Irish related program that comes to you every Sunday at high noon on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM or you can listen to one of our podcasts on wellingtonaccessradio.org.nz from any place in the world, from the North Pole to the South Pole. The wonders of modern technology never ceases to amaze me. Shows my age, I suppose. We are supported by our sponsors, Peter and Susie McGuinness, the Hutt Valley Irish Society and the Wellington Irish Trust. My name is Jim Frail, originally from County Mayo, and with me in the studio doing the important technical job is Marion Grealis, who is also one of our presenters and does a great job in both roles. Today I will bring you snippets of Irish-related news, some serious and some not so serious. One story in the Irish Times that uh, and other publications during the past few weeks has been the news that former Taoiseach Bertie Ahern, known in Ireland as just Bertie, who was the Taoiseach for 11 years between 1997 and 2008, has officially rejoined his old party, Fianna Fáil. Bertie resigned as Taoiseach from Fianna Fáil in 2008 after the Mahan Tribunal, which was established at the time to look into corruption at the highest level in Ireland. The tribunal had found that there was corruption and found that Bertie had been untruthful about how large sums of money had miraculously found their way into his bank account while he, was, while he had been Minister of Finance a few years before. Bertie, of course, had claimed untruthfully that he had had big wins on the horses. <laughs> he knew that his party was going to expel him. So he got in first by resigning. So now, 15 years later, all is forgiven. The party have welcomed him back. Now, some political commentators have had the cheek to suggest that the reason he has come back is because he wants to be president in 2025. That's when Michael D. Higgins, his Michael D.'s term expires. And, of course, Bertie will want the backing of his old party. Of course, when asked, Bertie said, he doesn't, oh no, he says, uh, he joked, I, I'll be lucky if I can stay alive that long, he said, that's two years to go, that's a long way off. So anyway, Bertie's main fame, a positive, a positive claim to fame, was his great role in the Good Friday Peace Agreement, and no one can take that away from him. And that was in conjunction with Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. And I would suggest that on an international level, 
the Northern Ireland Peace Agreement in 1998 was the high water achievement, not just for Bernie, but of those other politicians, that's Blair and um, yeah, Clinton. In last week's Irish Times, Fintan O'Toole had an article about corruption in Bert, Bertie's time as Taoiseach. And he wrote that the monitoring system known as the Transparency International Global Corruption Perceptions Index, that's a mouthful, isn't it, raises Ireland the 23rd least corrupt country in the world in 2002, when Bertie was Taoiseach. At that time, it ranked Britain the 10th least corrupt country. Now, 20 years later, 2022, the same international organisation has rated Ireland the 10th least corrupt, and Britain gone down the scale the 18th least corrupt. It's almost back where Ireland was. A huge improvement for, for, for Ireland from 23rd to 10, uh, since Bertie was in charge. Now, Finton says that Bertie was part of the Charlie Hoy corruption mafia. He played along as Charlie's Minister of Finance and then became the boss himself when Hawhey was forced out after being exposed for corruption with his secret accounts in the Cayman Islands and all that kind of stuff. Ireland is still not perfect. It's not up there with Norway or Denmark or Sweden or New Zealand, actually. They're the top four, I believe, according to the, the same international monitoring uh, company. But Ireland has made huge improvements since Bertie's time from 23 to 10. The tribunals, such as the Mahan one, and good Irish investigative journalists have done a good job in exposing the corrupt culture, political corruption, that is. And let's hope that the ordinary Irish voter remembers that and never allow the murky scum of corruption to cover the clear lake of our political system. Again, wow, let's hope. And uh, I will now play um, a song for you. It's a Percy French song. Well, he wrote it. It's called The Woods of Fort Nemona. Now, um, working this song was inspired by the death of Percy's first wife, Ethel, one day after their first wedding anniversary, back in June 1891, during childbirth, which was, wasn't uncommon to die in those days. The baby, incidentally, also died. And um, working in Galway, a year afterwards, near the woods of Gortnamona, Percy was inspired to write this lovely song in memory of his wife. So here it is, sung by the late Brendan O'Dowda, who was a great admirer of Percy French. Singing in the black thorn tree, the 
the 103rd anniversary of Percy French's death and uh, he was born in County Roscommon. His contribution to Irish culture was huge. He wrote such songs as The Mountains of Morn, Fill the Flutter's Ball, Come Back Paddy Riley to Bally James Duff, etc. His day job was, in his own words, an inspector of drains. In actual fact, he was a qualified engineer a very modest man. He worked in many different counties in Ireland and he loved observing the ordinary Irish people as they lived their lives. It was the ordinary people that inspired his greatest songs. He loved Ireland and wanted to always live there, but was forced to move to England when he was around about 40 years old for better opportunities. He wrote about 80 songs during his life. He died suddenly in Liverpool in 1920. He was 66 years old. And when he died, it turned out he was a poor man. It emerged after his death that he was shortchanged and was owed a fortune in royalties by his publishers, Piggots, 
in Grafton Street, Dublin. But 20 years later, in the 1940s, after his death, of course, that was 20 years after his death, the company that took over Pickett's uh, contacted Percy's widow, somebody had a conscience, and his daughters, and made a substantial settlement, allowing the Percy family to purchase their first home in Suffolk. An amazing, gentle, humble man was Percy French, who more than a hundred years after his death, his songs are still sung wherever green is worn. Talking about green, St. Patrick's Day is getting close. There will no doubt be uh, St. Patrick's Day parades around the world. I know there's going to be a massive one in Dublin. I think they're expecting more than half a million. St. Patrick's Day is not just a public holiday, you know, in Ireland and Northern Ireland. It is also a national holiday in Newfoundland and Labrador in Canada, also in Montserrat in the West Indies. It is the most widely celebrated Saints' Day in the world. It is observed by the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, especially in Ireland, the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Lutheran Church. St. Patrick's Day colour was originally blue. St. Patrick's Day has been a holiday for 12 centuries. Birmingham hosts the largest St. Patrick's Day parade in Britain. The, organi the Birmingham organisers describe their parade as the third largest that's after Dublin's and New York. I read that, re I read that recently in the Irish Central. Did you know that St. Patrick's real name was Maywin Suckat, S-U-C-C-A-T, I think it's Suckat. The Irish Central had a recent story about the famous St. Patrick's Day breakfast in Staten Island, New York. The organisers have cancelled the famous event this year. Why? In solidarity with the LGBTQ groups who are excluded by the St. Patrick's Day organisers. Now, the, nearly, um, the nearby New York City St. Patrick's Day parade famously did an about-face on this issue in 2015. So the gay groups are allowed to march in that parade, but not on Staten Island. So we will now have another Percy French song. And this one is Come Back, Paddy Riley, to Bally James Duff. And it's sung here by the, same, by the namesake, Paddy Riley of the Dubliners. Hope you enjoy it. Me all my life. It was always called Pat Riley, you see. And everywhere I ever go now and somebody introduced me, this is Paddy Riley. You always meet somebody really smart that says, Are you from Bally Jane Stuff? <laughs> We're going to get our own back in you tonight. We're going to sing it. Come back, Paddy Riley, to Bally Jane Stuff. Come 
to Valley James stuff. Come home, Paddy Riley, to me. All the grass it grows green around Valley James stuff. Come home, Paddy Riley, to me. In tones that are tender and tones that are gruff, still whispers come over the sea. Come back, Paddy Riley, to Valley James Stuff. Come home, Paddy Riley, to me. Come on, I want you to sing it. In tones that are tender and tones that are gruff, still whispers come over the sea. Come back, Paddy Riley, to Valley James Duff. Come home, Paddy Riley. Emphasis on St. Patrick, I am pleased to report that for the first time, Ireland has a new national holiday, St. Bridget's Day. It was the 1st of February this year, 
For those who don't know it, Bridget is the female patron saint of Ireland. But she has been overshadowed through the centuries by Patrick. So it's great to see that finally the Irish government have recognised this wonderful woman. And from now on, on the first of on the first Monday in February, will be it will be a national holiday in memory of Bridget. The ordinary Irish throughout the centuries have always honoured St. Bridget. Fishermen, for instance, had the St. Bridget mantle of which stripes were often woven into their clothing to protect them from drowning. Then there was the famous St. Bridget's cross woven from rushes and placed in the homes in her honour. St. Bridget's Day is also linked to the ancient Celtic Spring Festival which marked the beginning of spring and the end of the dark, grim winter. The Celts acknowledged the Celtic goddess Brid, who was regarded as the goddess of healing. Now, the Christian St. Bridget is believed to have been born in County Louth and is celebrated for her role in converting Irish tribes to Christianity and establishing possibly the oldest Irish monastery, in, which is in County Kildare. For many decades in our history, women in Ireland, and indeed most countries, were not given the recognition that they should have been given. But that's changing, especially in Ireland. To quote former Irish President Mary Robinson, Irish women went from rocking the cradle to rocking the system. And there is no doubt that uh, Ireland or the society generally is much, much the better in every way because of it. Towards the end of uh, 2022, a snippet of a story in the Irish Times caught my attention. With all the news in recent times of the brutal Russian invasion of Ukraine, the story was about the Crimean War in the 19th century, that was 1854 to 1856, not long after the Great Hunger. The article pointed to the fact that more than one-third of the British forces fighting in that terrible war were Irish, and more than 7,000 of them were killed. Disease caused most deaths, unfortunately. The Connacht Rangers, that's one regiment, landed 800 men there, but only 85 of that 800 survived. 15 Irish Sisters of Mercy went there as volunteer nurses, led by a Kildare-born woman, Sister Aloysius Doyle, who went on later to and founded the Mercy Order Convent in Gort in County Galway. Writing about her experience in the Crimean War, Sister Aloysius wrote, Neither pen or tongue can describe the agony and anguish of this awful crisis. She died when she was 93 years old, so she got a reasonably good life. More than 20 cannons captured from the Russians during that war are on display in different Irish towns and cities. Food for thought, don't you think? 
Britain and France supported uh, Turkey in that war against the Russians. And um, history remembers Florence Nightingale, but it doesn't remember the women who did the the work at the face, uh, the core face, because um, she did a good job, I'm sure, Florence Nightingale, but she was at the top ordering and working, uh, organizing it all. But to those Irish nuns and other women from England, they were doing the work and helping the poor people that were dying. Anyway, just before Christmas, the Irish Post had a book review on a book by an Irish writer and journalist, another woman, Sally Hayden. And this book was voted the Irish Post Book of the Year for 2022. The book is called My Fourth Time We Drowned. The title is from a Middle East refugee, and the award uh, for her was um, televised on RTE in a one-hour special. The book is a staggering account of the migrant crisis across North Africa, including first-hand narratives from people living in detention centres. The refugees believe that they have been incarcerated as a direct result of European immigration policy. The judging panel picked this book from six finalists. The judgment, incidentally, was unanimous in its praise, saying that Sally Hayden gives a powerful voice to the vulnerable refugees. Incidentally, last week, 62 of those were drowned off the coast of Italy, including children. Well, um, before I go, I would just like to say uh, it's great that uh, finally, what they call the Windsor Framework, replacing the Protocol in Northern Ireland with uh, Rishi Sunak. Uh, they've done, it's called um, the new, it, it's good. It's, uh, all that's happened really is a simple thing. A simple thing should have happened two years ago. There's a simple green lane for British goods coming in and a red lane for European goods. If Boris, the silly bojo, had acted like a grown person instead of a clown, Two years ago, this would have all been sorted. Anyway, it's taken a man with Indian heritage to have done it without much fuss. Good on him, I say. And um, let's hope it it lasts. And of course, uh, the big question is whether the DPU, what they will do. Will they continue to sulk? Well, let's wait and see. And uh, with that, we will go out with a song. And this one is some traditional music from the chieftains. So fare thee well until next time. been listening to Capital Irish on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM thanks to the generosity of our sponsors. We couldn't be here without them. Our sponsors are Wellington Irish Trust, Susie and Peter McGuinness and the Hutt Valley Irish Society. 
A very big thank you from all of us on the Capital Irish team. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.